here for you today to worship you, to lift your name up. We thank you that in you we have a place of freedom, that we have a place of refuge and hope. And, and God, many of us are coming in here today desperate to hear something from you, a word from you that changes our life forever. And so we love you, Lord. This morning we trust you. We ask that as we open your word, it would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, that our lives would never be the same through the truth of your word. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to somebody, high five them, tell them you look good this morning. It is so great to be here with you today. Excited that you're here, excited for what God is going to do in your life and in the life of other people. So we're, we're thankful for that. Hey, I do want to say if you are here for the first time, again, um, we're so thankful and, and honored that you're here. What I want to do is I don't want to point you out or make you feel weird. Church, can we just let everybody know that we're welcome. We're thankful they're here for the first time. There we go. And hey, if you're tuning online with us, we're excited that you're with us uh, online today as well. If you ever find yourself in the booming metropolis of Mount Pleasant, we would love for you to spend time with us. Man, this weather's weird, isn't it? Like, it went from like 50 degree mornings to 90 degree afternoons real quick. But glad you're here this morning. We are in the middle of a message series called Things Jesus Never Said. We did two weeks at the beginning, and we took a break for Mother's Day last week. And I want to pick it back up this morning, and I want to talk to you about something that I really feel like um, you and I struggle with a lot. I don't know if you're anything like me, um, and you don't have to raise your hand or elbow your spouse, but I would venture to guess that most of you struggle with a bad attitude, right? Like I, from time to time, I find myself, I may be walking into the house, and, and I'm not really mad at my wife, but she's the first target I see, right? So I come in the door, and I'm like, yeah, I'm all mad and stuff. She goes, why you got a bad Attitude, And I may say something along the lines of, well, I've just had a really bad day. You don't know what I'm going through. You know, like all of those different kinds of conversations. Maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe it's a coworker who walks in and, and, uh, and they walk in, they're just in such a terrible mood. And you're like, man, you need Krispy Kreme in your life, right? Like something needs to happen. And they may say, oh, I'm not mad. I'm not upset at all. And you should really let your face know, right? Because... Of a bad attitude. I think bad attitudes are one of those things that culturally have become so acceptable, and yet when we look in Scripture, we don't really see any precedence for you and I having the right to a bad attitude. So, First Opinions chapter 3, verse 7 says this It's okay to have a bad attitude. Life is hard right now. Nowhere in Scripture does God give you and I the justification for having a bad attitude. And so when we look in God's Word, when we look in Scripture, we, we don't see that, but, but you and I in our everyday lives experience bad attitudes all the time. And I think our bad attitudes are really based on the negative things that you and I allow our minds to be filled with. So maybe you're overly negative about things personally, right? So you walk by the mirror and you're like, I don't like you. And you have a bad attitude because you don't like the way you look in the mirror or, or you, I have nothing to wear. Your closet's full of stuff, but overly, you're just negative all the time. Maybe you're not negative about you. Maybe you're negative about some relationships in your life. And so you walk in the door and you're mad at your spouse going, will you take out the trash? 
No, he's not going to take out the trash. He ain't taking the trash out in five years. You think he's going to start now? He hasn't done that. And then all of a sudden, these negative thoughts and feelings and emotions begin to flood your mind, and it transfers into a bad attitude. Maybe a bad attitude is based on circumstantial negativity, and so you've got some struggles in your workplace or in your finances, and because life is hard right now, the negative thoughts that flood your mind bring you to a place where you have a terrible attitude. Maybe you're negative about uh, spiritual things, and, and you're, you're in this place where it's, well, well, I don't like the way they do it and the way they do it and this church and that church. And you're overly negative. Maybe you're just nitpicky. You ever met that person? You're like, will you shut up? You know, like, you don't have to say it like that. But like, you're just like, come on, really? Every little thing over and over and over again. I think the truth is that having a bad attitude is incredibly easy. Choosing joy, choosing positivity in the middle of chaos, that's a lot harder. Life does and will get difficult, and socially, a bad attitude is somewhat acceptable. But Romans chapter 12, verse 2 gives you and I some insight. It says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I think you and I have to be very careful of what we accept just because the world says it's okay. So when we look at the pattern of the world, the pattern of the world says, hey, you have a bad attitude, totally fine, not a big deal. When we look at Scripture, it says don't conform to the ways of the world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What Scripture's telling us there is you have two options on the table, conform or be transformed. But if you are transformed, if you allow God to take the thoughts that you have, the emotions you have, and bring it all into alignment with his word and his will, you'll be able to understand what God's plan really is for your life. And maybe the reason why you can't figure out what God wants you to do with your life right now is because of the bad attitude you have in the middle of where you're at. So what I want to do is I want to give us a common definition of attitude because um, we're all different people. And for some of you, you're, well, well, let's just be real. Like you have a definition of attitude probably based on the people you hang out with the most. So attitude is an external expression of internal emotions. Attitude is an external expression of internal emotions. So everything that happens to you and I in life will cause us to feel a certain way. And when you don't process those emotions, when you don't process those feelings, externally, they end up coming out. And so what people teach you and I to do is we'll repress the way you feel, but that's why you actually end up exploding on people because you're not dealing with those feelings or the emotions. Attitudes, roots are inward, but fruit is outward. An attitude is more consistent than your word, an attitude is what will draw people to you or repel people from you. An attitude is never fully content until it's expressed. And I love what John Maxwell says. He says that um, the attitude, attitude is the librarian of our past, the speaker of our present, and the prophet of our future. He says, so the things in your past, the things that have gone on, will shape and dictate the attitude that you have. But not only that, where you're at currently, the things you're going through right now, 
your attitude's involved. And where you're ultimately heading in the future will dictate, your attitude will dictate the direction of your life. I think attitudes are really important. So I want to give you three things that I think are important about attitudes and then leave you with three I wills to kind of transform our lives, to allow God to renew our mind. And the first one is this, your attitude matters to God. I think sometimes we feel like, because God is so big and he's got so many other things going on, that the last thing he would be concerned about is our attitude. But that's not the case at all. Now, if you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have a relationship with God, I want to give you good news. You're not held accountable to any of what we talk about this morning. Because there's a different standard for people who claim to follow Jesus and people who don't. This is a place where you can belong before you believe, and we're excited you're here. So now you just get to look on what other people are held accountable to. Your attitude matters to God because if you said that your hope and trust is in Jesus, your life is now a reflection of him to the entire world. So let me ask it this way. What God do you communicate you serve with the bad attitude that you have? Your attitude matters to God. Matthew 15 verse 18 really gives us a depiction of where our attitude comes from. It says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. Your attitude will always lead to action. And when your attitude leads to action, you have to identify the source of where it all comes from. Oftentimes we try and address the action, but never address the root issue. And the root issue is not that you have a bad attitude. It's that you've got some things going on in your heart that God needs to deal with. It's out of the overflow of your heart that the mouth speaks. Your attitudes come from whatever you've got going on in your heart. And can I tell you this morning that your heart matters to God? Uh, So about 30 to 40 days ago, I got in my car, cranked the car. It's probably been longer than that because there's some people on our team that have driven my car and they know this light's been on forever. So I get get in my car, turn it on, and you'll see there's this uh, tire pressure indicator. It's yellow, which means tire pressure's low. I was like, eh, how low can it really be? Right, so I've been driving it. And, and I'm going to ta- take care of it at some point. That's the plan. I'll fix it at some point. When I have enough time, I'll take care of it. So the other day I'm driving, and I start hearing this like bum, 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 bum thing. Thankfully, I was right around the corner from the tire station. I pull in, uh, have my buddy you know, get the tire out. He's looking at it. He's like, dude, how long have you been driving on this tire? flat. I'm like, well, you know, like probably 30 days or so. (laughs) And he looked at me like I was crazy because for some reason I thought there's an indicator that there's an issue, but if I don't deal with it, it'll go away by itself. (laughs) And you laugh, but that's exactly what we do with our own life is we have these bad attitudes. We have these things that manifest themselves which the Lord gave us as a check engine light to identify the fact that our heart actually has a problem. And not dealing with it doesn't fix it. It'll only come back even worse. Now i got to buy a tire. (laughs) Air is a lot cheaper than a tire. You don't leave with anything else today. Leave knowing that. Air is cheaper than tires. What's going on in your heart really does matter to God. And I think you and I would do 
so well in our own lives to identify the check engine light of our heart, which manifests itself in bad attitudes, the way we respond to people, the way we talk and interact with people. I think one of the healthiest things you can do is walk away from a conversation where there was conflict and go, why in the world did I say that to them? Process those emotions. Process those feelings. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says that your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Turn to somebody and say, same. Come on, 1030. Turn to somebody else and say, same. same. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So how do you figure out what Jesus' attitude looked like? Well, you go back and you read through Scripture. I think the best thing that I could do for you today is, is not help you fall in love with a great message or a great church, but fall in love with God's Word. And the way you fall in love with God's Word is you open it up to see how Jesus responds to the difficulties that life would throw at him. Hebrews says, For we don't have a high priest who can't empathize with us in all things, for in all things he was tempted, he was tested, he went through the struggle. So how did Jesus deal with betrayal? You look at the Last Supper. You look at the moment before Jesus knows he's going to die. He sits down and he washes the feet of the disciple. All the disciples are present and he scrubs the feet of one man named Judas. Jesus washes the feet of Judas knowing Judas would betray him. He washes the feet of Peter knowing that Peter would deny him. How does G, what is the reflection of his attitude? I will serve people even if I think they may hurt me. How does he deal with with being falsely accused, he hangs on the cross, chooses to say nothing, and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How does Jesus handle conflict? He brings unity and justice every single time. You and I can look at that and allow our attitude to be the same as Christ. And you may be thinking, I don't think I can do it. The truth is, this next point, your attitude is a choice. The moment you say yes to Jesus, sin no longer has control over you. Every time you sin, you choose. It's a choice. Now, if you aren't in a relationship with Jesus, what Scripture teaches is that sin has entangled you and you can't escape it. You're not strong enough. But the moment you say yes to Jesus, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives within you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can handle your bad attitude, can handle whatever sin issue comes its way. Your attitude is a choice. One of the Greek words that we see throughout Scripture around the, the concept of attitude is this word phreneo. It means to exercise the mind, to have a strong opinion, to be mentally decided, I think one of the best things that you and I can do is predetermine how we're going to respond when life throws us a curveball. Yeah. Curveballs are going to happen. I would love to bring you a message this morning and say, hey, you're going to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then from now on, nothing bad ever happens. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I'd be lying to you. I like ice cream a lot. I, I think uh, people... <laughs> People sometimes think that following Jesus is like peaches and cream. It's not. It's a lot like Rocky Road. <laughs> There's a lot of bumps along the way. 
There's a lot of hardships that you're going to endure. There's a lot of struggles that you're going to go through. But if you predetermine to have the same attitude that Christ has in the middle of your situations, you and I will have an attitude that glorifies and honors God. You may never be able to control what happens to you, but you do get to dictate how you respond to it. And you may not feel like having an attitude that glorifies and honors God in that moment, but choices lead, feelings follow. So make the choice. Make the choice to glorify and honor God with your life. So the first thing that, um, first I will statement that I have for you this morning is, I will not dwell on negative thoughts. I will not dwell on negative thoughts. The reason why most of us have a bad attitude is because we've spent time dwelling on negative things over and over and over again. And as we've dwelt on negative things, it's only further polluted our mind, our thoughts, which ultimately carry into our bad attitude. If you're anything like me, sometimes uh, if, I've, if I've had a conflict with somebody, I'll get in my car and I, I may be on the way to meet them or I may be meeting them in a couple days, but I'm in the car and I actually have a conversation with myself playing both parties of this hard conversation I'm about to have. I know you've never done this. Let me tell you my struggle. So I'm in the car, I'm driving, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm going to say this to this person, and then they're going to respond this way, and then I'm going to go back at them, and I'm going to say this. You ever lost a conversation with yourself? <laughs> you're like, I need to start over. I didn't do good on that one. The round two, right? And you're going over and over and over and over again. You're continuing to dwell on negative thoughts, dwell on negative thoughts, and it's manifesting into your attitude, becoming more angry, becoming more bitter, and it doesn't glorify and honor God. Rehearsing your circumstances over and over and over again will never give you the ability to overcome it. So don't dwell on negative thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this, We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. It doesn't say I take some of my thoughts. It doesn't say I'm going to hand select which five thoughts I'm going to pick today. I take every thought captive, the good ones and the bad ones, because you can have a good thought, but it's not a God thought. I take all of those thoughts, I bring them together, and I make them obedient to Christ. So when I get frustrated at my spouse and start getting angry and start thinking about, man, I remember what life was like when I was single. I go, no, 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 no. I'm in covenant. I love my wife. My battle is not against flesh and blood. I was handcrafted by God. She was handcrafted by God. And together, we can do anything that God puts in front of us. I love you, boo. <laughs> when I start having these negative feelings about coworkers or my employer, I submit that to Christ going, no, 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 no. God has placed you in a position of authority, and I'm called to honor you, right. even if I don't agree with you. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. However, if you just take your thoughts captive and you don't do anything with them, you'll have incredible problems. Jesus tells a story to the disciples about a man who was demon-possessed, and the way he got rid of these demons is he cleaned house. He removed everything. The problem is he didn't close the doors or fill the house. And so when the demons came back, they came back full force, and he was more tormented than ever before. I think the same thing happens with your thoughts and my thoughts. If we only take those negative thoughts and we don't replace them, 
then your negative thoughts come back stronger with more force than they ever have before. So the second I will for you this morning is that I will replace negative thoughts with God's thoughts. So I'm going to have negative thoughts. They're going to happen. Somebody may do something to me that I don't like. I might get cut off in traffic. Right? I will have negative thoughts. But I'm going to make the choice to replace those negative thoughts with thoughts that are God's. So where do we find those? Right in Scripture. It says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. That the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul's saying there's going to be a battle going on in your mind. There's going to be things that fight for your attention and your affection and the way you guard your heart and your mind is you allow the thoughts of God to manifest in your life and you think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. I could spend my entire life thinking about what is false, what is undignified, foul, hate-filled, shameful, filthy, poor, but no, 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 I'm going to think on whatever is true, whatever is noble. Whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. And when I begin to replace my negative thoughts with God's thoughts, it goes back to the first part of that verse, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, floods my life. Do you know what I need more than anything when I'm feeling all these negative emotions and and I'm feeling like my attitude is bad, I need peace. Like you thought that if you just got your finances in order, you'd have peace. Peace doesn't come from finances. There's people in your life and in my life who have terrible attitudes over and over, and they think if there's just something that can quick fix it, then all of their problems will go away. They won't. You know what they need? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And number three this morning is probably one of the most important ones. Your attitude is based on who you surround yourself with. Your attitude is based on who you surround yourself with. Now, sometimes you're like, oh, pastor, I know this. Why are you going to tell me I need new friends? Probably Come on, if you're already thinking this is where I'm going to tell you you need new friends, it's probably past due time for some new friends. (laughs) But your attitude really is based on who you surround yourself with. Because negativity fosters negativity. I can't give away what I don't have. So if I'm a negative person, if I'm overly negative, if I'm filled with negativity, I'm not just negative, I'm toxic. And when I'm toxic, I'll pollute everything around me. You have to be careful with who you surround yourself with. I think one of the best demonstrations of this actually comes from Luke chapter 9. I'm not going to dig into it or read it to you today. Go go back and look at it at your own time. But Jesus is trying to enter into a town. He's doing miracles. He's bringing healing. It's incredible. Problem is the people of the town are like, nah, Jesus, you ain't coming. We don't want you here. You think Jesus should be offended. They're like, they don't want Jesus. He's Jesus. How can you not want Jesus? 
Jesus isn't offended at all. However, the disciples are offended. They've been having a conversation back at the campground. They come to Jesus and go, man, got this idea. You know those people, they were like, hey, we don't want you. Right, rude. Let's do this. Got a plan. Let's call fire down from heaven and kill all of them. You thought you had a bad attitude? You ain't never tried to call fire down from heaven and kill everybody. It was Jesus do. He doesn't say, great idea. He rebukes them. I think you and I have to be... The disciples had had a conversation around negativity. They didn't deal with offense because they didn't deal with offense. They were deceived. And because they were deceived, they tried to destroy the very thing that God loves most. You have to be careful of surrounding yourself with people who are trying to tear down that which God loves. Negative people will destroy everything in your life. What does God love? God loves his church. In fact, he loves his church, the local church, the body of Christ enough to come back for it. Be weary of people who tear down the thing that God loves. Yeah. There are going to be people who, are, who say, I don't, we don't, you just don't need the church. You can't get me without my bride. We're a package deal. Right. You can't have God without the local church. Yeah. There are people who try and destroy the very thing that God loves most. And not only that, but, but take it a step further. There are people who trying to destroy that which God loves most, which is lost people. Sometimes we get so self-righteous and so caught up in the fact that we've been saved that we forget there are so many people who don't know how good God really is. And rather than beat them or bash them, try and destroy them, we invite them into loving relationship with God. Negative people cause tons of problems. I read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. So here's the decision I've made for my own life. I will not hang out with negative people. I won't hang out with negative people. I'm going to not dwell on negative thoughts. I'm going to replace my negative thoughts with God's thoughts. But the third thing I'm going to do is I'm not going to hang out with negative people because negative people are toxic. Bad company corrupts good character. You and I have to understand that negative friends, bad relationships, bad company that corrupts good character, is a lot like secondhand smoke. You don't even have to partake in it to be affected by it. Who you surround yourself with makes a difference in the direction and trajectory of your life. Your attitude is going to be affected by those people. And I know what you, you probably wouldn't say it like this, but sometimes as Christians, here's how we feel. We feel like, you know, truthfully, deep down, like I'm God's gift to them. God has placed me into their life to be a beacon of hope. And nowhere in Scripture do we see that. There's no such thing as missionary friending for the purpose of saving others. What we do read is that bad company corrupts good character. And then last, Romans chapter 16, verse 17 through 18. 
He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division. He's having a conversation. He's saying, hey, the best thing you can do is be careful. Watch out. Be alert for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have been taught. Avoid them. For such people do not serve the Lord but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. You know the hardest part about that scripture? Is that most of the time you don't realize you're naive until you get down the road a few years later. It's bad company corrupts good character. Be careful. So the whole reason why we did this message today is because I believe bad attitudes are something that have just become culturally acceptable. But for me, as of today, I refuse to dwell on negative thoughts. I replace my negative thoughts with God's thoughts. And I won't hang out with negative people. Because my attitude, the condition of my soul is at stake. Will you join me in prayer for a moment? Hey, God, we love you so much today, and we're coming to you thankful for the truth of your word, believing that in you we can find peace, comfort, and healing. And so in this moment, God, as we pray and seek after you, I believe that there are some people in here who maybe have come in and you realize, hey, my attitude doesn't glorify God. It doesn't honor God, but today... I want to shift that. If that's you in here for just a moment, would you just briefly indicate that by lifting your hand to say, hey, I want God to transform my attitude. I see those. I see those. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over you. Lord, right now we just ask that the peace that surpasses all understanding would flood the hearts and minds of those who are saying, I want God's attitude to be my attitude. We believe, Lord, that when we cry, you answer, and so we're thankful for that. Lord, today we thank you for the power and the strength to maybe break off some toxic relationships that aren't doing anything but further causing harm. And Lord, we just ask that we would leave today filled with peace, knowing that your plan is bigger than what we might be currently facing. And for some of you, you're in this room and you want your attitude to glorify God and you want to break the power of sin in your own life, but you've tried and you can't do it. The truth is, you'll never be strong enough to do it. The only way that the power of sin is broken in your life is by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I say, God, I... I surrender my life to you. So if you're here today and you'd say, hey, Pastor, I I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired of doing it on my own. I'm tired of running. But today, I want to surrender to him. Would you just briefly lift your hand to indicate that? See that. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. We're all going to pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus. Today, I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Church, why don't you stand to your feet and help me celebrate with those who made decisions for Jesus today?